0: Hey guys, Joe McCall, REI in your car. How are ya? Man, it's a beautiful day. It's about low to mid 80s. Partly cloudy, partly sunny and loving this. Driving right now to a Panera so I can get some work done and go get a massage. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? You know those like Massage luxe, Massage Envy places where you subscribe and you get, you know, a certain number of massages a month. So I've been doing that for about a year, and I probably have like 15 massages built up. So um, I had an appointment today that was canceled, and someone just said, "All right, well, I'm just going to make an appointment and go." But anyway, I got to get some work done at Panera because my internet is crapping out on me at my house so I love working from home when the internet is working so one of these days maybe once Google gets their balloons that are flying in the sky or Facebook is doing their drones and they can get them over suburban Western St. Louis I can get some high-speed internet but anyway I wanted to talk about lease options lease options you know I love lease options, and I'm starting to like them a lot more. Like when I first got started, I, w- I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my journey on how I kind of discovered lease options and why I like them. It was about what well, was in 2002, 2001, 2001. I, we, my wife and I, just bought our house like about nine months earlier. In Kansas City and my company that I was working for transferred me to Bakersfield for a quote-unquote two-week assignment to help them finish up this job and that two weeks turned into two months my wife and I'd only been married like about a year it was horrible I was gone for two or almost three months maybe and um, hated it so but because of that and Bakersfield, by the way, they call it the armpit of California. <laughs> uh, for good reason. <laughs> Just, I'm kidding, I'm sorry, anybody that lives in Bakersfield. I used to live there when I was a little kid, like one years old. And I lived there for a hot summer in 2001, 2000. And uh, it's crazy because it's hot and it stinks. So that's, that's Bakersfield for you. But anyway... Um, you know, man, that three months was horrible. But because I did that, my company on the next job, I got like the job that everybody wanted. And we were building a power plant in San Francisco. And so basically when this company sends you out there, they pay for your living expenses and they give you a bump in salary. And uh, you get to work on a job in the really cool place. I love San Francisco. So we lived there for almost a year the job shut down early and we had to leave but okay so because I got to go to San Francisco my wife went with me this time and uh, we got a nice house to rent and uh, had a really good time in San Francisco so the house that we had just bought a year and a half earlier or so we decided we were gonna rent it out and that I mean like San Francisco was awesome like a total opposite end of the spectrum was our rental experience with our house this was a house in Kansas City, kind of in a uh, work, good working-class, blue-collar neighborhood. I think we paid eighty-five thousand for it. Today, it's probably worth probably dollars 100, maybe. And uh, so, we got a property management company that was recommended from a friend. And uh, it was a the good. It was a good guy that was running that company. But um, after you read all the fine print and you realize that he keeps the first month's rent and he has to also keep a security deposit. You know, when they put that in escrow or something like that. And they take 10% of every month's rent. And when uh, the tenant is late and there's late fees, they keep the late fees. I don't get the late fees. And if I decide to sell the house, I have to give them 6% commission. (laughs) It's like, well, whatever. I didn't realize how much of a pain in the tush that would all be, but so I said fine. I signed it, and they got a tenant in there, and uh, this tenant was a uh, horrible tenant. And they, I maybe it wasn't, maybe the tenant wasn't horrible. It's just the house was horrible. I remember when I bought the house, man. I, I had, I was totally clueless on anything, on how to fix anything, and I had a good friend who taught me you know took me to home depot and and really basically taught me what tools were like what the important tools to get like what a wrench was he made me get a dewalt drill one of the best tools i've ever bought and uh so like i started figuring out how to fix things you know i replaced a toilet i replaced and fixed a garage door opener and the basement was flooding so i learned how to fix and replace the sump pump and um we even replaced a shower and um, replaced some walls and some leaks in the roof. And I became quite the handyman at this house. Well, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal to have a tenant in there, but the tenant, everything that could possibly break would break. The tenant would call at least twice a month for something to to be fixed. And I don't know, mortgage payment was eight hundred dollars or something like that. But that was a lot of money for me back then. I think my starting salary was fifty grand. Um, and I'm, and I'm also, we you know, I was getting a lot of my living expenses covered, but it was stressful, and every month the tenant was late, and I would have to pay the mortgage payment before I got the rent. Um, the property manager kept all the late fees, and it was stressful just getting the calls all the time, something that had to be fixed, and then the rent being late. So I was being baptized by fire, or in fire, whatever it's called, um, on my first rental property. I did all the wrong things. Well, um, after about a a year, we... Oh, and then the other problem, this job ended early, right? So we had to go back to Kansas City, and we didn't have a house to live in because there was still a month or two months left in the lease. Um, So we were homeless, and we... I forget, I think we lived in a... uh, like a Homewood Suites or Residence Inn or something like that for a couple months. And uh, so we finally, you know, we just said, you know, I'm never going to ever, ever, ever rent a house again, number one. And uh, number two, I'm never going to use a property manager again. What are they doing that I can't do myself? Um, So, but then we didn't have a place to live. Well. We moved actually to St. Louis because I got another job and we just decided we're going to keep renting that house out and then um, Good thing happened was the tenant wanted to buy the house so they actually bought it from us and we pretty much broke even and um, Glad that was over Well, it was right about this time about probably two thousand and four I read a book called the Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord and I was interested in it because A friend of mine told me about some investment properties in Austin, Texas, and I flew down there and looked at some duplexes, was really interested, and the guy down there told me, he said, there's two books you got to read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord, and I did, I read uh, both books, obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad rocked my world, got all excited about it, my wife um, got tired of me talking about it all the time, and then uh, I the book, Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord by Robert Sheman. Robert Scheman's still in the business. He's a good guy. Um, really was awesome. And um, he had a chapter in there about lease options. And he talk- started talking about the advantages of lease options. And one of the things that really piqued my interest was when he said that when you get a tenant buyer in the house, they tend to take better care of the house than a regular tenant would because they want to buy it. And they're responsible for the day-to-day regular maintenance and repairs. And I said, what? I did a double take. I read it again. Um, I remember looking up on Google or Yahoo at the time and looking up lease options and I went to the bookstore and got all of the books I could find at Barnes & Noble on lease options. Went to Amazon, I think it was kind of starting to get big back then and found some other books. So. Man, I started getting really interested in this. Give me mean, like you can t- you tell me, you can tell me that I can get a tenant buyer that won't call me three four times a month with some stupid faucet that's leaking that I have to fix and replace, and I don't have to. P- I can get the tenant to fix this stuff, and I don't have to pay a plumber. I remember I paid this plumber seventy five dollars an hour to fix something in the bathroom, and uh, so I thought, man, this is really awesome. And I bought Wendy Patton's books on lease options. I think I bought her course. And I uh, became really, really fascinated with lease options. And then sure enough, I started buying houses. And uh, I won't go into the the particular houses that I bought because I bought them all wrong. I was buying them, counting on appreciation. This was 2005, 2006. I was counting on appreciation and I was ignoring the fundamentals of cash flow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, it was funny. There's a really good book called Rent uh, by... Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. Everybody should read that. Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High. And I'm thinking about turning that into a podcast series, Um, just doing a book study on that. It was written in 2003, 2004, and I I don't even know what those guys who wrote it are doing anymore these days, but really good book about finding good properties. And they talked in there about the fundamentals, buying at at least 15-20% equity, making sure there's at least a few hundred dollars in serious net cash flow, not gross cash flow, net cash flow and then selling them on lease options. So I started doing that, but I was ignoring, I, I wasn't following the, the rules that they put in the book of the uh, equity spread and the cash flow and saving that initial option deposit you get from the tenant buyer for emergencies or vacancies and you know things like that. So anyway, um, I, I bought these houses and guess what? I had great tenant buyers in there. Uh, some of them actually bought the homes back from me. Um, I had to evict one or two, but you know, I had about 13 homes that I bought at that during that time frame. But the amazing thing was, of all of the homes that I had, I didn't have, I only had one tenant that I had to evict, and one tenant that, I do evict two tenants and one of them um, trashed the property. But I, you know why I had bad tenants in those properties is because I didn't pre-screen them well enough. I was so desperate and star- you know, so uh, I was hemorrhaging cash. I just took the first person that could have that had enough deposit, and I completely ignored their application and their rental history and uh, all that good stuff that you're supposed to pay attention to. I needed the first person that had enough money, so that's when I um, I took the, I took in bad tenants. All right, so do you get my point now? Um, but of the of the tenants that I did find for the house that were good because I wasn't in a huge need. They all took really good care of the properties. In fact, one of them that I still own today, the only one that I still own today, um, the, the guy has never missed a month. He's been in there for almost eight years and he hasn't bought the house yet, but he's never missed a payment and he's never called me once to fix anything. So I love lease options just for the fact, even if they don't buy it, and I really hope they do, I mean, that's the goal is to get them to buy the house. And I can talk about that in another episode, but even if they never buy the house. Most of the time, the majority of the time, they are better tenants than regular tenants are because they take care of the property, it's something they want to buy. One of the major things I learned as well too is that you only want to do lease options on nicer homes. You don't want to do lease options on crappy homes. Crappy homes, what I mean by that is like, and I shouldn't say crappy, I mean, some of these are really nice homes, right? But like, you don't want to do lease options in homes in the neighborhoods that where they're, um, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Why? Because nobody really wants to buy those homes except landlords, right? You want to stick in homes where I like the median price range, you know, where um, people have some pride of home ownership and they want to own a house in that neighborhood, okay? And it's easy to get financing in those neighborhoods. Banks aren't supposed to red line or you know, exclude certain areas for home loans, but they can exclude homes that are below certain dollar amounts, right? And so why would you want to try to get a retail buyer to buy a home in a market where there's very few banks that will lend money on houses that cheap? Does that make sense? So that's why, it's one of the major reasons why I love lease options. And in 2008, 2009, I started doing some regular wholesaling and um, I was throwing away a ton of leads that didn't have any equity. And I was getting frustrated with that. I was spending a lot of money on marketing, throwing away these leads that didn't have equity, and I was thinking, what can I do with these leads, right? And I thought about, you know, lease options. I remember lease options, you know, I used to, because I wasn't buying homes anymore. I was trying to get rid of all the ones I had. Um, But I was thinking, I love lease options, you know, but what, these regular wholesaling deals, they don't have enough equity. What if I could wholesale lease options? And I remember when that phrase came to me, I was at a power plant working on a in, in St. Louis. And I thought, man, that's pretty awesome. Why can't I wholesale lease options? And um, so I started on my journey. took me probably six, eight months to figure it out. And uh, started flipping lease options. And within about three months of wholesaling lease options, or doing lease option assignments, whatever you want to call them, I quit my job. I was making more money doing that part-time while I had my full-time job. than I was in my job, and I was doing an average of three to four deals a month. And I didn't have all the money that I wanted to have saved in the bank before I quit my job, but I was doing enough deals consistently over the last three months that I felt comfortable enough. I knew I could do it, and uh, my wife was on board as well, and it was really cool. You know, One of the first things I did is I hired a coach right after I quit my job. And I paid this guy, I forget, maybe $3,000, maybe $5,000. And uh, I actually spent, I went down to um, to where he lived and I spent a day in his office. And um, I came back so excited because I saw this guy and what he did and I thought, man, that's not, there's nothing special about that. <laughs> like, if he can do it, I can do it. Right? And sometimes that's just what people need, right? They need to see somebody else doing it. And they need to see, you know what, if that guy can do it, I can do it too. It's not that hard. All right, so I hope that uh, helps you a little bit. I just wanted to to tell you my story about why I uh, got interested in lease lease options, why I started doing them. I'm going to be talking more and more about lease options. I'm just looking around thinking, there's not many other people teaching lease options right now. There are some good people that are teaching lease options, some really good people. I'm not bashing anybody that is. um, But on a big scale like there used to be, uh, Wendy Patton's not really teaching them much anymore. Um, Claude Diamond's not really teaching them much anymore, um, and there were a few guys back in the early two thousands that were teaching a lot of it, and um, they're kind of they're not around anymore, or maybe they've just moved on to other things. But lease options is still kind of and for real estate, still kind of my first love in business, and um, so I'm going to be talking more about that because I think this market right now is really, really prime and is ready for some lease options. There's a lot of leads that people are throwing away that don't have enough equity. The days on market starting to creep back up. Homes are staying on the market longer and there's, a lot, there's still a lot of buyers right now that want to buy a house but can't. And there's still a lot of sellers that want to sell a house but can't because they don't have enough equity. Um, maybe they just bought their house a year or two earlier and uh, they can't afford two payments. They just got a job transfer They can't afford two payments. They can't afford to, they can't bring any money to closing to pay a realtor or commissions to sell the house. They don't want to be a long distance landlord. But guess what? Lease options might be the best alternative for them. So, anyway, I'll be uh, talking more about that in the future. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, Listen, if you want to get some help with lease option coaching, uh, go to coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net, and fill out. Uh, uh, booking form, whatever it's called, like an application thing, and we'll get on the phone. Either you and me, or someone from my team, will get on the phone and talk and talk, kind of like a strategy session. If we gotta figure out where you're at and uh, what you really um, you need right now in your business. Maybe coaching isn't what you need right now, but let's get on the phone and talk about it. My coaching program is very affordable. CoachJoe.net and. Uh, That's good. That's good. I better get going now. I'm at the uh, Panera place, and I need to uh, get in there and get some work done. See you guys. Bye.